you pray for us tonight. We uh, <clears throat> uh, we've we've been studying on this as long as I've been preaching, I guess, and it just never gets old to me. Uh, really doesn't. First Peter in the first chapter covers so many things. Uh, it's so big. It's we could preach on it the rest of our lives. I really don't think we would ever get it uh, all discussed. Um, but we want to. Uh, we want to preach on the text we're going to preach on is born again. Um, but as we look at this here tonight, uh, we want to look at it uh, in context of security. I believe there's so many people today in God's church. Um, and I want to preach this message with love. I really do. I believe there's so many people in God's church today that are so insecure. Uh, they don't know. Uh, they don't know where they stand with the Lord. Um, you know, I I struggled with doubt uh, for a couple years, uh, especially after I'd been out in the world in sin, and God gloriously and graciously brought me back into the fold. I spent a lot of time in the altar. Uh, I spent a lot of time begging God for forgiveness at things I had done. And I want to say this uh, to the young and old alike tonight. Uh, sin is enticing. Uh, the Bible even tells us that there's pleasure in sin for a season. Yes. Um, and I'm always adamant to say that because I, I don't think the church gives enough uh, credence to what the world is offering sometimes. We, uh, we write it off. Uh, in my opinion, we write it off all too quickly about how people can be swallowed up into the temptations of this life. Uh, but I want to say this. There's, um, uh, uh, I, I'm glad the Bible tells us and we have scripture for this. In 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, boy, I'm so glad for that. I'm thankful to God for that. Um, but I will say this, there's, there's things that hangs over you uh, that you'll never be able to get rid of. Uh, the Bible teaches us that David, uh, when he had committed sin and disobedience against God, his heart's desire was that he could build God a, a kingdom. He wanted to build him a house, a tabernacle. Uh, but the Bible says that the sword stayed in his house all of his days because of his sin. Listen, there, there's a consequence for our sin. Uh, God expects us to live upright. Now, I want to say this, that uh, uh, God is not an ogre in the sky, uh, and he's not handing out tally marks to us, right? Uh, God is a God of forgiveness. Amen. You know how beautiful that is? Yes. Uh, but I, I, I tell you what we struggle with today is we struggle with forgiving ourselves when God has forgiven us. And we struggle with doubt. We struggle with faith. We struggle with so many things in this life and it's because we can't seemingly find assurance. And we preach, and we've heard said down through the years, you've 
however you want to phrase it, perseverance of the saints, eternal security, once saved, always saved. We, we say these words, um, and we believe these words. But I'll say this, friends, tonight, I believe that there's so many people, uh, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of people say that Paul and Peter, that they contradict themselves with James when, uh, you know, Peter and Paul preached grace. You're saved by faith through grace, and that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But James said, he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. And people, uh, they read into the scripture and they say that there's contradiction. And they'll read into the scripture and say uh, that uh, the two apostles went against them. But you know, Peter, uh, he was a man of works as well. Paul was a man of works, but yet they preached grace. And so we'll say this, friends, tonight, the tension in the word of God uh, for assurance is this, and, and we're not saved by our works. We're saved solely and wholly by grace through the merits and the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I want to say, say that, and I outstarted this message. That's entirely and abundantly clear in the Word of God, how we're saved. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, once we're saved by the grace of God, uh, and let, there's a lot of people they will uh, draw and cue in on my life and they'll say, well, preacher, there was a lot of years of your life that you did not live for the Lord. And, and, and I would agree with that. And I would uh, say that I live my life that way. And I uh, and, uh, am abhorrently sorry for it. I wish I could recall those days. I wish I could recall those thoughts and actions and decisions. There's a lot of regrets. And I, uh, listen, I tell you, and that's why I want to do, uh, with the time God has afforded us, I want to do as much as I can for the kingdom of God. But friends, listen, I want to say this. I, I believe tonight that if you've truly been born again, if you're truly a regenerate son of God, if you've truly been justified, and in the process of being sanctified, working our way toward being glorified, I believe that there will be some fruits and some works that will flow out of the redeemed. And I believe the Bible bears this out. And I believe that, uh, friends, that there are certain aspects of our lives that uh, you know, I believe that so many people, they struggle with these things, uh, and they struggle with these things because maybe, uh, and you know, I, I love testimonies. I do. I love testimonies. I love hearing testimonies. But I'll tell you, somebody who's struggling in doubt, they don't necessarily like to hear testimony because it just sows more doubt, and it sows more confusion. Uh, listen, and it sows more trouble. But I'll say this, friends, listen. The most assured and the most confident that I've ever been uh, in my salvation is when I'm found faithfully doing the work of Christ. 
Amen. Uh, friends, uh, listen, uh, so many people may often forsake or forget or they may turn their backs or they may go off ways, but I'm glad that when I have the most confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ is when I am seeking Him with my whole heart, with my whole mind, and my whole body. When we're actively seeking God in this manner, I believe that we cannot find anything but perfect peace and perfect harmony. We can seek joy. Thank God for those joyful times and joyful seasons that we've had and the experiences and the encounters that we have been privileged so very much through the years to share with my best friend, Jesus. But friends, listen, I want to say this. So many people, they struggle with places and times and periods of doubt because I believe today that they're not assured that they're really saved. Charles Stanley, I said this the other night. They asked Charles Stanley, they said, how should a person feel when they're saved? And he said they should feel saved. Amen. Uh, listen, friends, and, uh, and I want to talk about that, friends, tonight, because there's a lot of people, they say, well, I don't know how being saved feels. And I want to preach on that. So listen, let's start right here in verse number 17. We'll read through the remainder of the chapter. The scripture reads, and if you call on the Father who without, uh, without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, Pass the time of your sojourning here with fear, for as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead, gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Amen. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. And we believe that'd be all that God have us to read in your hearing tonight. Uh, and we certainly pray and ask that God would ask his, uh, add his blessing to the reading of his word. But as we look right here, we just want to dive in real quick. Uh, listen, and we examined this in, uh, uh, in an earlier service in the last couple of weeks. But we talked about uh, in verse 18, 19, and 20, the Bible specifically tells us that, uh, listen, it says, for as much or as much as we can perceive uh, to know or have the knowledge of these things, we're not redeemed or we're not bought back. Amen? 
We're not bought back with corruptible, listen, or fallible things that perish, that tarnish, as Jesus addressed in the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. He said, lay not up yourselves treasures in heaven or on the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. But he said, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. But listen, he said, for where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. I will ask you the question tonight, where is your heart? Amen. Uh, friends, listen to me. Hey, Jesus, when he addressed the Pharisees on one occasion, he told them, he said, for your bodies, listen, your outward appearance, your dress, your clothing, your speech, your appearance. Uh, listen, says you're as whited sepulchres. What does that mean? He said, you're as a beautifully decorated grave. Uh, listen, uh, it, it, listen. But there was more to what he said. He said, you're beautiful on the outside. You say the right things. You appear to do the right things. You pray. You're fervent. But he said, on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Friends, today, listen. I believe today that when a person is genuinely saved, I believe that there's a transformation that takes place in the heart and the spirit of an, of an agent or an individual that changes them entirely. Friends, listen, and there's lots of people today, they look at you funny. And when they uh, come and maybe when they hear the preaching of the word of God, there's so many doctrines and there's so many denominations. They believe in water baptism and they believe in confirmation. And uh, listen, they believe in so many ordinances that they miss the mark of the transformation that must take place. And friends, listen, I want to say this. It doesn't matter if you're eight years old like I was when I was saved. Or if you're 20 or 30 or 40 years old. The change, the new man, is something that is evident. The Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I believe, friends, today that salvation will change our thinking. I believe that, uh, that sin, that sinful things and sinful acts become more sinful. Now listen, I'll say this. A person that's lived in sin a great vast majority of their life, uh, friends, listen, I believe that there's an instantaneous change. But on the outward appearance from the church, uh, listen, looking on upon somebody who's lived a life like that, uh, listen to me, I'm gonna tell you something. They've got some things to work out. Amen? Uh, that's what the Bible was talking about when he said, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. So many people, we isolate that verse down to the day, the point, the time. Listen, that we talk about that they got saved at that place and that point and that time. We say, well, you got to work it out 
all by yourself. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. But hey, I do want to say this. The day that the Spirit of God came to me, I realized my lost state and condition. When I came down and got on business with God, it wouldn't have mattered if there was 10,000 preachers in my ear. It was between me and Jesus. Now, absolutely, we can coerce, we can talk. Amen. We've seen it happen. <clears throat> One of the greatest evangelists that's ever lived was Billy Graham. There's a lot of people who had a big problem with him. And he went all around this country and they went all around this world. He would fill out massive stadiums and auditoriums. And for the better part of his life, he preached Jesus in purity. He preached that you must believe, repent to be saved. You must believe upon the only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. He didn't have the privilege that we have. He didn't have a, an altar where everybody could come down to and he could get down there and pray with them and ask them individually their experience of grace. So what he would did or he would do, he would play as we're all very familiar with, he would play stanza after stanza as just as I am, as an auditorium would empty and people would file by the hundreds and the thousands down and they would get down there. I'd listen, and uh, uh, Billy Graham and all the people that he had assigned with him would help them the best way that they knew how. And, and, and they interviewed uh, uh, Billy Graham about this and they said, don't you believe uh, that you're infusing mass delirium upon the church and how many false converts and he said I'd never be arrogant nor ignorant enough to confess to you that I believe that every one of them people are being saved but so help me he said as long as one of them gets saved it's worth it all hey friends listen Let's don't be quick to execute people at the stake. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen. Hey, Paul said this in the book of Romans. He said, if they be for us, they're surely not against us. Amen. Hey, he said, if they're preaching Jesus, let them alone. Amen. Hey, and I'll say this. You do what you... Listen, as long as we don't compromise on the tenets of the Word of God, as long as we don't compromise on the Gospel, there's one way to heaven. Amen. And His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't get there any other way. Amen. But friends, listen to you. I believe people have been saved because they didn't want to go to hell. I believe people have been saved because they didn't want to go, or because they wanted to go to heaven. Amen. I, I believe that there's all sorts, all kinds. I, I, listen, and the Spirit of God moves I, in different ways, in different places, but it all ends in the uh, same result. People are born again. What does that mean? 
Now listen, as we get into this, the Bible says we weren't redeemed with corruptible things. Things that break down and disappear and go away. Uh, listen, you're not saved by Chris Gilbert. Amen. Boy, friends, listen. I, I, I really examine folks when they really get saved. Amen. I, I have that liberty and I have that opportunity so I can. Amen. I, I'm not preaching to masses of thousands where I can't get to all of them. Amen. I can get my hands on them. And because I can, I like to find out what they really have. Because, friends, listen, there's nothing wrong. I, I believe that there's lots of people that have came up because brother, sister, mama, or daddy, or a friend came. And I believe that they felt that they, uh, they, they just needed to go because it was the right thing to do at the time. But nothing happened. So many people today, they live and they'll capture that and they'll hang on to that and uh, listen they'll live all the days of their lives and I, I believe that there's mass delirium being preached from the pulpit uh, uh, listen and we'll just give a blanket statement and say once you're saved you're always saved and people that think they've been saved hold on to that I'll say this, and I've been disagreeable and ordinary all day. Might as well say it. Amen. A lot of people, they'll come down to the altar. I've, I've actually seen this. They'll come down to the altar and they'll say, well, I remember when you were saved when you was 8 or 10 or 12 years old. You can't get saved again. Is that wrong? No, it's not necessarily wrong. But what if they're not saved? A lot of people can tell you about a church and a place and a time. But did something happen? Did a change take place? Did you surrender and believe? Did you repent? And hey, I'm gonna tell you something, friends. Listen, hey, when the par when the prodigal son, when he when he when he was down in the hog pit, and, and listen to me, uh, the prodigal son. Listen, oftentimes, and I'm not gonna disagree with this because I've preached it this way before too. It uh, about somebody that's backslidden and coming back to the father. But that parable is really dealing with somebody who's never been saved. He took his father's inheritance, amen, and he left and he went away and he spent it all on righteous living. The Bible says that he came to himself when he was down in the hog pen. He said, listen, the servants in my father's house have better than I. He said, I know what I'll do. Amen. He said, I know exactly what I'll do. He said, I'll go back to my father. And he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Amen. Hey, let me tell you something. Uh, now, let me turn the tables on you right here for just a minute. Just because that prodigal son came to himself in the mire and the hog pit of his sin, just because he made a declaration that he would repent, just because he went back to the Father, in no way demands that the Father should forgive him. 
Father didn't have to look for him. Father didn't have to wait on him. The father didn't even have to receive him. But you see, that's what mercy is. Amen. And friends, listen to me. Uh, when you reach that place and point, and I've been preaching this on Wednesday nights, amen. Uh, friends, conviction is something that's always been. It's not just one place or one time. Hey, God was working long before you realized what was going on. Thank God for godly mothers and daddies, grandmothers and grandfathers. I'll get back to the prodigal son, but I want to finish this over here and say this. So many people, that listen, they'll come down, they say, well, uh, they're desiring to be saved and they're struggling. Boy, I see people struggle so much today. And they get to a place and they say, well, I, I need to be saved. And the preacher will say, well, you can't be saved. Or, uh, listen, a good intention in grandmother uh, or mother will say, well, you, you said you was already saved. Friends, listen to me. I'm going to say this. I believe you can only get saved one time, but I'd rather see somebody get saved 10 times and miss hell. Uh, listen, than believe my words. Amen. I'm telling you, you need to get sure about it you need to under listen and when you get sure about it then you'll have assurance about it amen uh, friends listen hey but this uh, this man he came to himself he was in his sin he said I know what I'll do I'll go back to my father's house and I'll say father I've sinned against heaven uh, listen I've sinned against you uh, listen he got up out of the hog pen out of the mitt, uh, mick and mire and he made his way back to his father's house glory to God there was mercy handed in extended by the Father as he's seen his son coming from afar off. Amen. Oh, friends, listen. Hey, I'll tell you something. Hey, the visions in the, uh, that prodigal son, uh, listen, you know how he remembered what his father's house was? You know, that's what it is when you get under conviction. Amen. Uh, you remember, uh, hey man, you remember, you begin to think about it in your mind. And it gets Listen, go past your mind, your intellect, and gets down in your heart. Uh, listen, and there's a yearning inside of you, and it shakes the very foundations of you. Uh, listen, and it makes some people laugh, and it makes some people cry. Uh, listen, makes some people run uh, out the door. I've seen them run to the altar. I've seen them get under the bench. I've seen them fall where God. Convicted. Never forget there was a little boy, Logan Bird. He's not a little, a little boy anymore. He's a grown man. <coughs> I'll never forget at Juno Church, we were dismissing service, a revival meeting. It was in the morning service, and we, uh, helping Brother Tim Biddy, and we gathered up in a circle all around the altar, and we joined hands. We was going to dismiss in prayer. <laughs> And I'll never forget little Logan. Uh, there's so many people there. We had to weave through the benches. And I, I remember hearing something on the benches knocking. And it was his knees. And then his hands started hitting up the bench. And all of a sudden, it's like he passed out. Down between the benches he went. And God gloriously saved him. 
Friends, listen. Hey, I will tell you something. There reaches a place and point in time in our lives when we realize exactly who the creator of all this gigantic, most majestic world is. We realize a place and point in time in our lives that we can't live without Him. We realize that if we want to live eternally, that it requires the, the love and the blood of our Savior Jesus. Some people, some people don't know all that. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, some people weren't ra- listen, there's a lot of the overwhelming majority and vast majority of people, they weren't raised like I were. Listen, I got to listen to a lot of preaching before I was saved. I knew all the terms. <coughs> I knew all the terms. Because, listen, I didn't just hear it on Sunday morning. I heard it at the dinner table. Amen. I heard it in general passing through the day. You see, friends, listen, we can't speak enough to how great of an impact we can have on those around us if we would just be confident and assured of what God has. Because I'm going to tell you something. Listen, a friend, a person that has assurance, listen, is a bold person for the cause of Christ. Do you believe Paul was assured? Amen. Do you believe that, Danny? I, I believe that he was. Amen. I'm persuaded to believe. Hey, he wrote in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, he said, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He, 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 he told us on manifold. He said, listen, he said, for I've fought a good fight, I've kept the faith, and I've finished the course. Henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me. Amen. I believe that he had assurance. Amen. Now this is not scripturally recorded, but in historical data you'll find where, listen, the martyrs of the apostles, the apostle Peter, listen, he was crucified at his death. Listen, he could have escaped, but he went back to Jerusalem. Listen, and he knew that they were going to kill him. He knew that they we're going to crucify him. He said, I only ask of you one favor. If you crucify me, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die the same death as my Savior. Friends, listen to me. There was assurance in those words. Amen. Hey, there was assurance in David's words when he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Amen. There is assurance in being saved. Amen. Uh, friends, listen. The Bible tells us in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, he said, whereby we have received of the spirit of adoption, whereby we also cry, Abba, Father. Amen. Hey, he said, I know that I passed from death unto life. Why? Because I love the brethren. There is something different when people get saved. The wolves live among us. 
in the shadows. If you pay close enough attention, you know, listen, the Bible teaches us. <laughs> he said, try the spirits and see they which be of God. For those that confesseth not that Jesus is not come in the flesh, they are the spirit of Antichrist. <laughs> which even is now among us. If you pray that God give you a discerning spirit, and I'm not going around here uh, playing duck, duck, goose, amen. I never have and I never will. But if you ask for the, uh, a spirit of discernment, the wolves will show up and they'll show themselves. A lot of people say, well, no, they've just always been that way. You may not have always been lost. You mean they've never been saved? Is that what you're trying to tell me? In a nice way? You see, I want people to think about this. I want people to... Hey, listen, I, I'm not trying to scare... Uh, listen, I, I don't want to uh, put... I, I, I don't want to break anybody's faith into shambles tonight. That's not the object of this message. The object of this message is to know that you have assurance that you're saved. But if you don't have these assurances, there should be a question mark. Because let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that we are sealed with the Spirit of God, which is the third person of the Godhead. The Bible tells us that it, that it lives within us, that it reigns inside of us, that it leads us in all paths and ways of righteousness for His name's sake. The Bible teaches us that it brings conviction when we sin. The Bible tells us that it makes us know that we are sons and not bastards. Amen. But you see, friends, listen, we never press that point enough. If you can live a fruitful life of sin, if you can hate your brother and sister, if you can sow discord among God's brethren, And pillow your head at night. I scarcely wonder. Have you truly, truly been born again? But you see, friends, listen. I believe that so many people, they say, well, I had an, I had an emotional experience. Let me tell you something, friends. Uh, uh, listen, and I believe that... Uh, listen, and uh, this, is, this is so hard to preach. I believe that there's feeling to be saved yes. after you get saved. Yeah. Why do I believe there's feeling to it? I believe that there's feeling after you get saved because I believe you're a new creature. But now so many people, they get wrapped up in the emotion of the time. And we're not saved by our emotions. 
If you wake up tomorrow and you feel bad, you might feel lost. But I'm glad to know that if I wake up tomorrow and I feel bad in the flesh, I have assurance of my eternal home. You see, friends, today so many people, they put things into emotions. Listen, if you live your life based on an emotion, there's going to come a place and point and time in your life like Miss Loretta that's laying down. Listen, in CCU at Northeast Georgia, when she don't feel good, she's felt the worst she's ever felt in her life. She knows that death is imminent. You see, that's when you realize I'm not saved by how I feel. I'm saved because of who I am. Amen. Now listen to me. There's three tenses to salvation. I have been saved in the past tense. I have been saved from my sin. I am presently being saved from my sin and I will be saved, future tense, into my eternal home. You see, it's a residing salvation. It works retroactively and it works in the future. It works right now. Thank God, princess, I'm glad that I know that I'm not made whole by a feeling. I don't mean to rehash old memories if, if this was ever an old memory here at Timber Ridge. I don't know. Never asked. But I have served in several places and been of a part of several places where we had to build a new church. Oh, and nobody wants to tear down the old church. I'm probably putting on some pressure points right here. They could bulldoze down Beulah Baptist Church in Henderson, North Carolina. It's not going to change one thing about my salvation. You see, I want want to challenge people on this. If your salvation is contingent on a place, you better get that fixed. Because that place is going to burn down. That place is going to dilapidate when the people stop using. It's going to dilapidate. It's going to fall. It's going to go away. All the people that once made that place up, they're going away. Listen to me, friends. Those emotions that are wrapped up in those places, they are going to burn up and perish into eternity. But I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, I'm glad that what I've got transcends this world. Morning, I went up there. I, listen, I done what I knew to do. I'm glad that there was disparity, that there was a wreck in my life. Oh, I'm glad, friends, tonight. I thank God for the day that I realized where I stood with God. 
Boy, so many people, they say, I don't want to get in that condition. I wouldn't take, listen, I wouldn't take anything that this world has to offer for that condition of that day and that state that I found myself in. Because I'm going to tell you something, I made a temporal decision in the moment that has an eternal impact. I knew how I felt. And because I felt the way I did, my emotions spawned something in me. It broke me. It broke me to tears. Now, I'm not one of them preachers that says you got to cry to get saved either. Some people don't cry. Amen. Hey, listen, I say this. Uh, listen, uh, the shout's gone in the house. Amen. So if everybody said you had to shout to be saved, everybody's lost. Amen, preacher. You see what I'm saying? It goes both ways. Cuts coming and going. You see, friends, listen, I'm glad that there was something that stirred inside of me but listen it was beyond it was beyond this body and it was far beyond what my mind could comprehend what was going on but I'm glad that the God of all heavens and glory listen individually independently spoke to me through his son and through the spirit of his son the Holy Ghost and the Lord Jesus and friends listen yes it spawned an emotional response and I remember I went to the altar. Listen, because I knew that's where I was supposed to go. Some people don't know they're supposed to go there. Let me stop right here and say this. I may have told this before. We was on a mission trip in Montana at the Blackfoot Indian Reservation. Uh, and the last night of that meeting, we were gathered around in the outside of the lawn of the church, and Gary English was preaching. And I was sitting between two little old Indian boys. And uh, Listen, I'm going to tell you something. One of them had tried every way in the world. He had disrupted and destroyed everything that we could possibly think to try that week. And I, I'll never forget, Gary began to preach on Jesus. And he preached on his virgin birth and he preached on his life and he preached on his crucifixion. I'll never forget, as long as I live, Gary said, and he loves you. And I looked over at that little boy with tears running down his cheeks and he said, you mean to tell me that man loves me? Yes, son, he does. He loves you enough that he died for you. And I'll never forget when we, hey, listen, I was just an old country preacher. I hadn't been preaching too long. I thought everybody knew what I'd do and growed up like I growed up. And I thought they got saved like I got saved. And I'll never forget, we got down in the grass right there because that's, that's all I know. I said, well, just get down here and let's pray. And he got down there and he looked me in the eyes. He said, what do I do now? I said, just tell him how sorry you am and ask him to save you. It's that simple. 
Just asked him. Repent. And asked him to save you. Just as the prodigal son did, he made his way back to his father. And he threw himself down at his father's feet. And he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Father didn't have to save him. Father didn't have to offer him mercy. But you see, that's God's mercy. That's God's grace. And that's God's love. He told his servants behind him. He said, I want you to go get a ring and put it on this young man's finger. And while you're at it, get this man some shoes to put on his feet and get a robe. I listen to cover this stinking mire that has clouded him and buried him down for way and all too long. And then he said, after you get him clothed, listen in kingly apparel, he said, I want you to go back to the house and kill the fatted lamb and prepare it. He said, for my son who was once lost has been found. Thank God, friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Hey, now it's not about emotion. It's not about, uh, listen, how we feel. But I'm going to tell you something, friends, listen. Uh, this young man, just like I was, he threw himself. Uh, listen, I was emotionally wrapped. I got down to business with God. And listen, I, I promise you, if you'll be honest with yourself tonight, uh, you may have been emotional when you got there and you may have been emotional when you got up. But there's a place. There's a place and point in time in there. Emotions didn't have anything to do with it. Where I was didn't have a thing in the world to do with it. I just said, God, I'm sorry. And all things changed. Born again, the Bible says... In 1 Peter 1 and, and also in John chapter 3, which really means to be born from above. Twice born and once dead. Never to die again. I'm glad, friends, tonight that listen, when, when that hour of death sneaks around the corner on me. Well, I tell you something, friends, listen. I, I, I love my wife. I love my children. I love my family. But I'm also glad of the fact of some experiences that I've had with God. That's why I didn't, listen, I won't say this. That's why I didn't encourage you, listen, to get the most out of what you've got. Amen. If you never try it, if you never experience it, if you never push it, amen. Uh, friends, listen to me, you'll never have places and moments and times to go back to. Amen. Uh, listen to me. I'm glad that, listen, and, and I, I consider myself blessed. I'm not more blessed than you are by no stretch of the imagination. But listen to me. I consider myself blessed to have the encounters that I've had with the Lord. Most of them have come from the pulpit. I'm glad that I've been able to see things 
and say things and hear things that's outside of this world. So I know, friends, listen, when that dark hour of death begins to sneak around the corner, the Bible said, Hebrews 9, 27, for it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. We're going to die. I'm glad when he sneaks his head around the corner, I'm glad that I have assurance You ever been around a saint of God when they cross from this life to the next? Let me tell you something. Sickness and all these things that we go through, it induces a state of fear. I don't care who you are. Why is it scary, preacher? Listen, let's talk about this. Amen. Death is scary. You know why it's scary? You can't talk to nobody from the other side. Amen. You don't know what it's like. You don't want to suffer. Brings a state of fear upon us. I'll tell you what, listen, I don't know about you, but I've been around a dead saint that's fixing to leave this world. Hey, and I believe this, friends, tonight, you call me crazy or not, the Bible says in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, he said, be careful to entertain strangers, for you entertain angels unaware. Amen. Listen, I believe the Bible teaches us that there are angels that walk among us. I believe that there's angels that guard us and watch over and keep us. And I'm glad when that great day comes. Amen. I'm glad that the church of the north, when they leave heaven and dip south, and they surround the bedside of those saints. Friends, listen, I've seen it. I've felt it. I've experienced it. I've seen fear leave. Seen their eyes grow wide. I've heard them say, Do you hear that singing? It's something bigger than we are, far beyond what we are. Yes. Friends, listen, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll try and get done with this. I could preach two and a half hours on this. Now listen, I'm going to try and get through this. It says, uh, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world was manifest in these last times for you. And of course, we've talked about this, and I wish we had more time to talk about this. But uh, listen, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the second person uh, of the Trinity, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, I've said this multiple times. He lived, he existed in eternity past. His redemption is eternal and has been and always will be. Friends, listen, they were somebody who loved you before this world ever was. Now, let's skip down, if you would, to verse number 23. The Bible says, or let's, uh, 22, it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. I'm going to tell you something. As you read through the passages of the Word of God, you'll find that the resounding theme is love. If there's no love in your life, if you don't love your brethren, if you don't love your church, and I'm not talking about for a social experience. I'm talking about I love hearing the songs of Zion, it stirs my spirit. 
I love hearing God's preaching because it reminds me of home. I love seeing lost people saved because God, listen, where God's got a son, I've got a brother. Amen. says, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Amen. So listen, we weren't saved with a corruptible redeemer. We're not born again with the corruptible seed. We're not born again with a corruptible Savior. But the Bible says, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The Bible tells us this in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore... Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Amen. Now, y'all can throw rocks at me after the service. Amen. I wrote these down the other night when I was studying. Now, listen to me. I, I just want you, you can go, I, I'll give it to you later. Listen, a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Listen to this. A new, create, a new creature has a new testament, a new covenant, a new commandment. A, a, listen, there's new wine. There's a new tongue, a new doctrine, a new heart, a new spirit, a new creature, a new man, a new name, a new song, a new Jerusalem, a new heaven, a new earth, and new things. And I can give you all the scripture references for them. I got them wrote down too. You see, when somebody is born again by incorruptible seed, they're new. New. You're not the person you used to be. Something changed. And if there's not a change to, to, that's taking place in your life, and I'm not going to sit here and, and preach to you specifics about how I feel like you should be lost and how I feel like you should be saved. That's not what I'm here to do tonight. What I'm here to do tonight is examine, are you assured that you're saved? Do you have a new tongue? Do you have a new song? Do you have a new name? Jesus told us this. He said, you can't put new wine in old wine skins. When they would pour the fruit of the vine into a sheep skin, it was, uh, it was malleable. And through the fermentation process of the fruit that they would put in that wine skin, it would cause a hard callus to build up on the inside. And that's what sealed the bag. It's what kept it from leaking. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. He said, I can't take and pour this new wine into an old wineskin. Why? Because it cannot hold it. And now let's get down to the hard passages and I'll be done. Matthew 7, let's read this so I don't misquote it. Matthew 7, 21, the Bible said, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Now those are the words of Christ. 
Would you agree with me that he echoes the sentiment of James? I'll show you my faith by my works. Why do you say that, preacher? Because, friends, listen, if we're doing the will of our Father which is in heaven, I promise you that that's kingdom fruit. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto him, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Preacher, that scares me. Let me tell you something. The scripture is black and white. There is no gray area in the word of God. You know what he told the church of Laodicea in the third chapter of the book of Revelation? He said, be hot or cold. For if you be lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. See, the Bible is black and white. There's not people in between. You're saved or you're lost. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's not a middle ground. The Bible don't speak of it. The Bible don't teach of it. And listen, if you ever hear of it being taught, it is an absolute lie out of the pits of hell itself. The Bible tells us this. Listen, that hell was created for the devil and his angels. The words of Jesus himself. 1 Peter 3 and 9, he said, listen to me, he said, the Lord is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. My favorite verse should be yours too, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He said, I came not into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. He wants you to be saved. He loves you. He's seeking. He's desiring. Listen, he is desiring for you to come, to repent, believe. Listen, allow the Savior to save you. You've heard me say this before. I preached this before. The cross of Calvary. When Jesus died, listen, and the penal substitutionary sacrifice was made, listen, and he laid it down at the hands of the Father. He, listen, through the crucifixion and his resurrection made all men savable. He didn't save anybody. He made you all able to be saved. And if you repent and believe, you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. (coughs) Friends, listen tonight. I just want to say this. And you know what? There's, There's nothing wrong. And I understand. I'm not trying to make light of this because, oh, how I know it's so real. People struggle. And they get hung up and they get confused and they find themselves just in a rigorous circle of doubt. If you can take the devil back to a place 
I'm not talking about a church. I'm not talking about an altar. I'm not talking about places. I'm talking about a place spiritually. If you can take him back to that place and that point in time and you know that you take all the emotion out of it. You take all the feeling out of it. You know something happened. You know something changed. If you can take him back to that point, if you can take him back to that place, and if you can get assurance about that spot, you can have assurance for the rest of your days. Preacher, does that mean I'm never going to doubt again? Nope. I'm not a prosperity preacher. Can you tell? Hard times are coming. If you're not in one now, they're on the way. But it's all about assurance. There's so many discouragers today of assurance, but I look at these... I look at the men and the women of the Bible. They died for Jesus because they were sure. They didn't wonder. They didn't say, I hope so. They said, I know. I know. Paul, John, Peter, James. They said, I know. Amen. Amen. I know. I want people to know. I want people to be assured. The Bible tells us this, and I'll be done as they come to the piano with a song. First Peter. As we read there in the chapter, in the third verse, the Bible said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. I'm glad I've got assurance tonight I'm glad when the death hour comes not for me but maybe even for my loved ones because of their testimony I'm glad that I can have assurance that we'll all be together in heaven again You see, the world tries to sell this off as this is just a myth or a fairy tale. This is something that we believe in because we don't want to die. Let me tell you something, friends. Listen, this is not a myth. This is not a fairy tale. This is a change. One of the greatest scriptural historical evidences that we have that the Word of God is true is the Apostle Paul. One day he was killing Christians. The next day he was preaching the gospel. And he ultimately died for it. And let me tell you something. People can't explain it. They ought to be something different. They ought to be a change. Why is there a change, preacher? Because you're new. If you're not new, and this, I'm not, I'm not saying this to be critical. I'm not saying this. 
uh, to bring more doubt or more fear in your life. Only thing I'm saying is if that's not there, I'd be in this altar tonight begging to God to save me that can and will save me. I wouldn't go to hell for nobody. I sure wouldn't go to hell for nothing and I sure wouldn't go to hell because I was hanging on to a place.